It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast, online at InThisLeague.com. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh. And welcome in, friendos, to the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's the middle infielder edition. Second baseman shortstops for Hell Week. Hell Week. I was going to do a different voice, but like, I only ah. have, I only have, uh, gotta oh. save those for the end of the week, Welsh. Oh, boy. <laughs> Like I've only got meat one. <laughs> and then I figured out I have a variation of that. Yoshi. I do Yoshi. Yoshi. Like, have you ever heard Yoshi? Ah, I do Yoshi really well, but it's okay. kind of a variation of meat wad. That's my talent. That's my talent. And, and I don't think it works good for hell week. If I'm like, or like, it doesn't really work. So I don't, I don't know. So you do a deep satanic voice, please. Satanic voice. <laughs> well, no, say Hell Week. Say Hell Week, not Satanic. Hell Week. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's kind uh, of welcome in W E A K Week. I think. Yeah. So. W N B C. W L B C. I'd like you to do the W N B C. It's Satanic voice. It's like Hell bit. Week, everybody. Welcome in. It's gonna be a great time here. All the radio. yeah. Uh, second base shortstop. We got our ranks for you, just like we did in the last episode. We are going to be going through uh, kind of like the top 24 is like the focus of numerically what we get you. We'll talk about just some players we like, we dislike, strategy, all that type of stuff. This is the full dedication as we drop an episode every single day this week. So hopefully you guys are hanging in and banging with us. And thank you to our sponsor of this episode today, Underdog Fantasy. Download that Underdog app because guess what? Even if where you live typically doesn't have the gambling or the DFS available, you would be surprised at the amount of places that underdog is available. They have a pick em contest, which is super fun, kind of like prop betting. You could do that right now for basketball and stuff. When baseball comes in, that's going to be a ton of fun. And all of their best ball contests, the dinger is up there. The bullpen is up there for as little as three bucks. You can get in some contests and you can do much bigger. It's a fun format. And if you use the promo code ITL, you will get a 100% match on your first deposit of up to 100 bucks. That is free money, friends. And if you use the code ITL and you let us know that you did the deposit in the month of February, we'll put you on a wheel and we'll spin it and we'll give someone a hat. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give someone a, at this point, it's going to be a prospect one hat. But if uh, something turns around and we get the in this league version uh, done, we will have that out for you. Promo code ITL underdog fantasy deposit today. Use our code have all the fun in the world, and be a master of your own universe. That's what we've always told everybody. Be a master of your own fantasy universe, Bachman. That's Fantasies. right. Do it. Yeah, do it today. Uh, the episode we're going to get into, 
obviously it's kind of actually similar to the corner infield where one is strong, one is like super deep and the other definitely lacks uh, substance Punch. on the back end. Yeah. But, but you know, a fun and interesting argument might be like, what sucks more third base or second base. And I think it's third base. I, I do too. I, I, I would say third. I more. think there's at least, I like some more of the dart throws later at second. I don't like anything after the top eight and third. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty ugly. So uh, I would say third, um, fairly easy but second it, it ain't all peaches and roses no it's not the great say set of thing peaches and roses i don't that know that's like that a welshism a, yeah it was 100 percent i mean i mean came out of my the mouth. worst cliche no one's ever said it before uh i was gonna say sh- sunshines and rainbows and i don't know why i uh you know Sunshine, roses I, and peaches and roses roses and peaches <laughs> sunshines and rainbows millions of roses yeah roses for me uh that was uh, <laughs> that came out of my brain and into out your mouth <laughs> yeah, like that 100 yeah. like you said it and i was like yeah for sure i get that and then i was like wait a minute no <laughs> like like you said it and i knew exactly what you were talking about because i'm like that registered that process that's the best my part that's my favorite thing that might be my favorite thing of the whole all of hell week welsh is like <laughs> i said peaches and roses which makes no sense and you're like i get it i'm no, on board I was with like, it yep <laughs> i i feel you i completely hear you on that my friend that is good so uh yeah it's not oh, the best but it's a little bit better than uh it, like if you come back to that 15 marker you know, who's there at 15 in this position compared to the others. And they're still good guys. I decimate some players are a little bit higher, specifically the guy in ECR that is 15, Luisa rise. You could actually argue is, you know, how good is that? He's a great average player and he's a good points league player, but Roto and head to head, he's just not as valuable because he just doesn't have counting stats. It doesn't, he's a two set category guy. So I have him a lot lower, but like go to my 15 where I push down a little bit is like a Jonathan India or your 15, which is like Jorge Blanco. Those are just better than the 15s we had at uh, third base or, and it's just not even close. So when you're positionally thinking about how you're going to approach drafts, that's a little bit of the, the notes for you. Um, I'll tell you right at top here just as I teased in the last episode. So check this out. And I think you already knew this, but this is like a little bit more formal um, talking about middle infielders. So I was over at the Padres camp the other day and I happened to be on, they were on their back quads, which is nice because you kind of get a look at a lot of stuff when they are back there. And all of a sudden the Padres ran like a full squad drill. And I was very surprised about it. Not every single person was there. I think, I think I mentioned Cronenworth was not there and Soto wasn't back there, but They've got, you know, all the infielders. Tatis was there with these infielders and a couple outfielders. And when they broke to get out to their positions, I just thought it was interesting that in this situation, you had Machado go to third, Bogarts go to short, Kim go to second. I told you Rivas was doing first where Cronenworth would be, and Tatis went out to right field. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people kind of wondering where would he slot in? Maybe everybody already was comfortable and knew but at this point, it looks like Grisham center field, Soto left field, and um, Fernando is going to be the right fielder because he went right out to right field. He got confirmation the never hurts. Throwing. Yeah, so I think I there's a little bit of confirmation for a middle infielder that is going to be playing probably predominantly outfield. The only what thing is it, that would ever change six games. How many more games does Tatis have left on his suspension? Mm, I think that's about right. It's like pretty much April. 
Um, that's okay. a great question. I, I want to say it's somewhere between like 21 and 26. And it just encompasses almost the entirety of April. And then he will be back in, in May. And they have a little bit of flexibility. And I think only 20, Carpenter. actually. Oh, is it 20? Okay, so yeah. the 21 was a little But bit I mean, with there. days off, I think it's most of April, if not all of April. Yeah, so. well, whatever days they don't play. But like, sure, you know, after that, he's locked in. And like I said, it, everyone probably already knew that. But that was right off of what they did. Like, he didn't work any infield drills. They didn't do anything like that. He went straight to the outfield. And I think that's obviously where the primary stuff was going to go. I think you could have also speculated, would they consider Cronenworth at first and Tatis at second? Which, you know, if you think about arm issues and stuff like that, less of a throw at second base. But nope, looks like he is going to be in the outfield and that'll be a very interesting outfield. So that's a, you know, a middle infield nugget that I think you guys would have liked towards the, you know, towards the front of the episode. Because also I can tell you that like, Majority of this last week that just happened this week that we're listening, all of the positional stuff has started. Uh, hitters have reported first camps were on Monday to go, but all of last week they weren't. Um, many hitters weren't there. I stopped by the Mariners on Sunday. Tay Oscar just finally reported. Ty France just finally reported. So like not everybody was fully out there yet. And there's not a ton of stuff to report. Marcus Simeon reported on Sunday and just got out there. So I don't have a ton of like, you know, infield or corner or really any hitting nuggets, uh, many to give you though, guys like Julio have been out there and Kelnick and stuff and, you know, Evan White, not. And then they're going to go away for a lot of those guys are going to go away for world baseball classic practices too. Yep. So I think Julio told somebody that uh, the sixth, he's gone on the sixth of March. So that's where he's going to bail out and go and do those camps. So you're going to have a lot of those. And it is interesting too. Like Clayton Kershaw just bowed out of the W. Did you see that interview? I didn't see the interview. I saw he bowed out and it was honestly maybe the least surprising thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but it was weird because he was kind of like he seemed really disappointed. But then like the vibe I got was like the Dodgers are like, no, like, yeah, we need you. Like, you can't do this. And that's the vibe I got from him because he kept being like, yeah, this is I was really disappointed about this and blah, blah, blah. And um, that's what I assume. So there might be more of those I mean, guys. When you've but... had, why is he surprised when you've had injuries like he has recently and you're on the back end of your career? Yeah. You, and your team is paying yeah. you so much money. Uh, they're not going to want you to participate. I mean, that's the contract you've signed. So yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. So I'll probably have a lot more notes this coming week as like all the full scrimmages are going to go on. All the hitters are out there. They'll have more lockdown drill. Like even earlier in the week, they didn't even, some places didn't have any hitting drills going on whatsoever. So um, I don't know exactly all the camps I'll be, but hopefully I'll have lots of news and notes for all the people for the stuff and the things. So let's get into it. Let's do the thing. Uh, I do want to remind you guys to check us out over at InThisLeague.com. That is the Patreon. You guys can sign up. You can support the In This League. You can get some of the stuff. Get in the group me rooms. Awesome people get be a part of mock drafts, get all of our ranks. Uh, there's a bunch more. Just if you want to check it out, go to inthisleague.com. You can peruse and hopefully uh, you guys sign up and uh, let's let's do it. Let's do the thing. Why not? We'll hang out. We'll be best friends. We'll be buddies. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about second base on our middle infield Hell Week episode. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
store. What? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. All right, fellas, here's how it works. $15 for his... In this league. What's his... In this league. If you have to ask, big man, you can't afford it. $4. So as discussed, the depth is not as gross and not as atrocious. And I will say this. I look at some of these names that are outside the top 25. Um, we have, you know, close to 40 or whatever middle infielders listed. Sometimes... The positional stuff is weird because Yahoo, there's more middle infielders available. Mookie Betts is a second baseman, by the way. Yeah. Here, here's a here's an anecdotal thing. The number one second baseman on Yahoo is not the number one second baseman on uh, many, any other platform, really, because it takes five <laughs> games on Yahoo to qualify and Mookie qualifies. So that adds to the depth. There's going to be a couple other guys that are going to qualify as well. But I will say, like, I look down here, I see theoretical breakout candidates here's a prime example i have him lower even though his ecr is 24 gavin lux gavin lux who looks like he's going to take over uh in the middle infield for the dodgers he's going to be a shortstop so he's going to gain that shortstop eligibility or at least that's what it looks like last year 20 percent k rate 10 percent walk rate hit 276 was kind of empty though it was very luisa rise ish six homer seven stolen bases just was not an impactful bat Let's say he takes the next step up. You know, he started hitting for better quality. He struck out less. You know, he scored a few more runs. These are all like big positives. And he takes the next step up. The next step up is becoming closer to a 15-15 guy, which would make him exponentially more valuable where he is. It's just, will it happen? You know, hard hit was under 40%. Uh, launch angle was under 7%, which was dramatically lower than the previous year. His XBA was like, 30 points different than his batting average. So some of that doesn't feel good. And projections are a little bit more favorable on the power side this year, and he's going to be put in more of a predominant role. But my whole point is, though I'm not high on him, that's one of those guys where I take a look at and I'm like, oh, I could see a breakout happen. And Gavin Lux could go from theoretical middle infield to maybe like a starting 15-team second baseman. I could see the path for that more than I could a lot of those like third basemen that we were looking at. What about um and, and I don't I can't remember where you had him ranked, but what about Trevor Story? Well, what are you doing with him? Uh, because he qualifies at second, he can't be yeah. in your top twenty-four right now. Because I mean, he they did an interview with him and he said this could have me miss the entire season, which is not something you want to hear from a guy uh, that you would draft as a top two or even uh, starting. Mi, you don't want that stuff. You know, right now projected to miss at least half of the season. I mean, is he just a don't draft for you? Is he off yeah. your list? Is that well, pretty much it? I'll tell a behind the scenes thing for everybody. Like I had him. God, where the hell did I have him, dude? Didn't I have him in like twenty one or something like that? Yeah, that's I where everybody this. had him before and his I, interview. I think. And I told you I was just like, take him off. I was just like, yeah. take him off for this episode. Uh, it's good we're talking about it here. I'm glad you brought it up. But like take him off because I'm not I don't want to give him a rank right now because at this moment, I just don't have interest. I don't care. Story even last year, he really regressed. He had like one good little spurt. He came out. Didn't he hit like 10 homers and like 
or seven homers yeah. like 10 days or some nonsense. It was a big grouping for sure. And obviously he can rebound. He's a type of player that can rebound, but like, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it because there is the risk. The same reason Frankie Montas will not be talked about. I have no interest because now it's like yeah. almost affirmed that he can miss the season. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be in contention post all-star break. And if they are, I don't think Trevor story is going to be ready. I'm not interested in it. If you want to get like really technical and you want, I don't care if, People want to draft it. You want to get really technical. Does like drafting Chris Morrell, getting him now, is that better than Trevor Story when he comes back? Like, I just really like. I'd be fine with doing that. Like, I don't think if I or let's kind of like Morrell, yeah. (laughs) If I take Trevor Story over Chris Morrell, I'm I'm like, damn, I just missed out on a bunch of stuff. No, I don't think so. Like, I got Chris Morrell at 28, and his ECR is 28. That's the range, but. I do think guys like Luis Urias or Brendan Rodgers on a full season, there's some there's a big bounce back potential. I mean, Urias has got 20 home run potential. Brendan Rodgers could steal double digits and hit 20 in Colorado. Like, I just don't think the juice is worth the squeeze with Trevor Story at this point, unlike with Bryce Harper. Like Bryce Harper, we have affirmatives. He'll be back mid-year. What I don't right. think will happen, I don't think he's going to play in the outfield this year or to be very minimal if he does. So he's going to lose and he's going to be util next year, which is going to blow. Spoiler Trevor alert. Story, I put him in outfielders for tomorrow's show so we can talk about him, but oh, I know he's we not should. going to play. No, no, I, I think that's smart either. that you did yeah. that. We should do that. I mean, that's where he is in like best balls and stuff, but there's nothing. It's all negative on Trevor story. And guess yeah. what? If they come back and they're just like, oh, you know, yeah, it does look like he'll play in late July. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like I have no, maybe interest. your last yeah. pick. So, so the whole crux of this is like, I'm not even give you a number because he's not. I I don't even know where to put him until we get into. Spring if I give you my number, mine is 36. So that yeah, is that's probably bad. about that's about the range, dude. That's about it, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think I'd rather have guys like, you know, the guys that you mentioned. I'd rather have Chris Morrell because I know he's going to do something, and you know, he's not clogging up a spot. Like if uh, if he doesn't work out, fine, cut him grab somebody else off the wire. He's not clogging up a spot. I'm not waiting for him to come around. So I'd rather have a guy just to see what he's going to do. Brendan Donovan doesn't have, you know, uh, his hard hit percentage was bad, but he's going to be on the field most days. Like gold glove, you know, baby. You're yeah. Not he's coming off the field and you're a gold glove. Second right. baseman. I mean, Nolan Gorman's lost his gig because of Brendan Donovan, right? He's going to play. So that's why I would rather take these guys that are for sure going to start the season. Hope to catch a little lightning in a bottle. And if you don't, cast him asunder, pick somebody yeah. else that's hot like that. That's it. I don't so, want to be holding a spot for Trevor story. Like you said, the upside wasn't great last year. Anyway, the, the post. So we have like a lot of guys here. We're going to give you numerically 24 up like we did before, but we, you know, these names outside of the top 25. So 24 is, you know, two rounds of second baseman in a head to head. We're a little bit short of two rounds of second baseman in a, in a roto. But there are a couple of interesting names. Let's actually focus real quick just for a second on the two guys I just mentioned. Brendan Rodgers, 13 homers. I don't think I realized Brendan Rodgers didn't steal any bases last year. So the 10 was being a while. He never had. I mean, I don't know what was going on in my brain, but Brendan Rodgers does not have a stolen base in his entire career in the majors. (laughs) So so maybe it's not going to be 2010. But he hit 13 homers last year in what was close to full-time play, but an under 20% K percentage, 266 batting average. All projections are on the up. Check this out. This is interesting. His XBA was 265. He hit 266. Yet his projections, probably based off of the 2021 season, that X has him hitting 280 
this year with 15 homers just south of 70 runs and RBI. That is close to a starting top 15 second baseman production. If you could get a little bit more homers, if you could tap into 20, he's in Colorado with a 280 average and you're in the 70, 70, 70s, that's a top 10 to 15 second baseman that you and I both do have a little bit lower. We have him at, I've at 20, we both him at 26. His ECR is 21. So he's kind of still in that range, but he could easily return value as like a late round second baseman. Yeah, I'm not, I think he's getting a little bit of a boost in terms of the rankings because he plays in Colorado and his splits as he should though, were God awful last year. (laughs) Awful. I mean, 313 at home, 218 away, 10 of his homers at home, only three on the road. Um, You know, I don't know. He's just not a a player that excites me. And I don't like a conditional player uh, that, you know, if if you're in a week where he's got all road games, you don't want to start him. You well, need another second baseman. So but or he's another middle infield, whatever. He's never, yeah, he's a middle infielder. That's more of what it is. He's never going to be that, But that guy starts middle infield, so you have to have another yeah. guy besides him. I just, I'm not into it. I'm not into Brendan Rodgers. All right, well, then how about Luis Urias for a second? 16 homers this past year in only about 119 games. It is 100, I would say 120, but it's 119 games. He Coming off of the year before where he played 150 games, hit 23 homers with five stolen bases. His average was a little bit down this past year. But the strikeouts and the walks were still kind of relatively the same. And he was pretty in line as far as like expected stats to his actual stats. Like he was within 0.01 of his XBA, 0.06 of his X slug and 0.01 um, or 0.01 if you want to call it of X Woba. So it's like this in line was exactly who he is. He was launching the ball a little bit more this past year. I like that Milwaukee offense in general. And he qualifies at a couple spots. There's another one of those like, 20 home run potential guys. Bad X has him hitting 19 homers in 140 games. So 20 is easily accessible. Is this another one of those late round second basemen you might be a little bit more interested in? You have him at 27. We, I don't realize we both have him at 27, which is again, a tiny bit lower than consensus at 25. Yeah, he's fine. I really think that you get to this point though. This is like, and I think I do need to do a little of adjusting at the bottom here because I would put Urias ahead of Rogers after what we just talked about. I think, like you said, Gavin Lux, even if Gavin Lux doesn't take a giant step up, he's still in the Dodgers lineup, which is, you know, the best lineup to be in. Yeah. So I think I probably need to move those guys ahead of Rogers. Urias is fine. I kind of, I, I got to be honest, man. I want to get, I'm getting my MI at a shortstop. That's just kind of what yeah, it is. No, totally agree with that. As so, you probably so, should. So these guys don't really do it. They for don't you. really do much for me. Like, I, I don't know. Urias just doesn't steal bases either. You know, uh, he had big home road splits as well, which isn't that big a deal. They weren't as massive. It was like 60 points better at home versus a hundred better or 97 or whatever it was uh, for Brendan Rogers. So I don't know. These guys just don't really do a lot for me down here. They are not uh, firing my rockets. Well, okay. They're not firing your rockets, but again, put yourself back in that situation of what we were looking at on the bottom end of first base versus this. It's not like, I feel like second base is being treated like, whoa, like, whoa, what the hell is going on with this position? It, it, it definitely falls off. It (laughs) is horrible. It's first basian where it's like the top or actually kind of third base. It's third basian. I'm sorry. I keep saying first base. This is like third base. Um, it's third base in where it's like the top four go in this clump together. 
and then there's kind of a bigger fall off and then another bigger fall off, but it's just not as dramatic. And even like into the teens, you can still get with it. So if I were to pick a couple guys, Urias and Rogers, I guess I have lower, maybe need to go up a little bit. Their ECRs are higher. Ramon Urias is kind of interesting on a decent year last year, depending what his time looks like. But then at the bottom end, you know, the guys like the Brandon Donovans and Luis Garcia's and stuff, they're not really big targets for me. Isak Prades, I'm always interested in, but average and playing time is kind of the question. But it, it's just a tiny bit better. So let's talk about the actual 24 through 13. These would most likely be some version of middle infielders and starters at second base. And starting at 24, I've got Bryson Stott. Uh, Luis Aria, uh, Luis Arise, I'm sorry, is 23. DJ LeMahieu, 22. John Birdie at 21. Followed by Colton Wong, Thyro Estrada, Witt Merrifield at 18. Jeff McNeil, Brandon Jury at 15. So these are still starters in uh, Roto 15s. Jonathan India, Jake Cronenworth, and Josh Rojas at 13. Uh, for me, I've got Chris Morrell at 24. Then Colton Wong, Bryson Stott, Brandon Jury, Luis Arise, Gene Segura at 19. Quit at 18, Rojas at 17, Marte at 16, and then I've got uh, Jorge Polanco at 15, Cronenworth at 14, and Jeff McNeil at 13. Okay, I got something right here because this is one I, I'm looking at, and I'm definitely I'm lower, and I don't think I realize compared to like ECR because I don't hate this guy, and this is one of those caveats where I'm going to tell you like points leagues way up, Roto and head to head, it's just not it's Luis Arise. His ECR is 15. I have him at 23. You have him at 20. Something that does stand out that I'm doing here, and I don't think I even realized it, and I'm probably going to adjust this, is I do have John Birdie above, and I don't really chase those stolen bases like that. John Birdie is tantalizing, even as a super util. I know people are like, who doesn't have a gig? But like super util, he's going to play all across the board, and he's going to steal a crap load of bases. Luisa Rise's problem is those empty stats. He was uh, top 3% of the league in his expected batting average. So just think about this. The guy, you know, was a was a batting champion. Uh, did he just miss? No, Jeff McNeil beat him out, didn't he? Yeah, by one did, point, yeah. Yeah, McNeil. So he was in that running. He was in that running, but it was top percentile of not striking out, top percentile of contact overall, but bottom 7% in hard hit, bottom 11% in barreling. <laughs> He just tops the ball. Looking at a spray chart, it's it's incredible too. He's only going to hit a homer, pull happy. It is is insanely pull happy to the right, and it's a lot of stuff that's right up the middle. And um, he doesn't steal bases. I love that he's going to. He's lead one off of those confusing guys, though. That like, I, there are a couple guys in the bigs. Well, that I think you look at their savant page and everything's blue, but it's okay because it's just the way they they go about their business. I think he's one of those guys where you know you you're not getting power from him you know that what you want him to do is you want him to spray the ball around you want him to hopefully drive runs in you know you're not getting power you would like him to steal bases which he doesn't do a ton of uh but the you're you're buying the average in the runs and that's really it and the lineup but, is worse in miami than it was in minnesota last year you know you're so. right about that but i guess what, what i guess what i'm getting at with Luis rise is like he's one of those guys where you're like oh my god if he could just be different, you know, with the way <laughs> he makes contact, if he could tap into power, even if he doesn't steal, if he could tap into his power and he was a 20 homer guy, we would be talking about a whole nother ball game with him, but he's he'd be not, up in the top upper echelon here. 
You know. It just doesn't happen. I mean, the guy maintains he's never had a higher than uh, where did it go? I just had it a second ago. Oh, I guess Alonchego was pretty good. I was looking at barrel. His barrel percentage is under four percent his entire career at every single stop. His Alonchego has been pretty good, but his hard hit is bad. I mean, 107 was a career high this year, and he's had he has had a four year increase, and it keeps going up. So maybe that's something that you could take a look at, but. You know, it's at the bottom of the hard hit. So he doesn't steal. He doesn't hit homers. I want to like him more. This is a two-category player. He's runs, yeah. and he's uh, he's batting average, and he's going to lead off for the Marlins. So I, can, I don't know why he's 15 for people. I can't get around it. Should I value him over Birdie? Maybe. The only problem with Birdie is, is like, okay, if he's a two-category player, what do you value? The stolen bases or the batting average? A rise versus Birdie. And it's going to be the stolen bases. I mean, Birdie's a guy yeah. who lead the, led the league. Uh, yeah, the the my only issue that I have with Birdie is what you mentioned before is uh, is he playing every day or is he playing like two days a week, three days a week? That's what I want to know. So uh, we don't really have a beat on that as a super util guy. He could be a Jay Cronenworth who played every single day, you know, or he could be a guy that, you know, gets in when somebody needs a rest. I'm not sure. I kind of have that issue with DJ LeMayhew, too. Like, I love DJ LeMayhew yeah. in terms of skill set, but, you know, that team is stacked. Where is he playing? And it's not every day. We know that. So that's why I don't have either one of those guys in my top 24, which but clouds dude, second base. It's really not that you dislike the second baseman is that this is muddy. It's all muddy here uh, in this range. If a rise could be DJ LeMayhew, we would be talking about, I think, a whole nother valuation as well. But he's just yeah. not like DJ LeMayhew, no e even at his worst has still hit double digit homers five straight years. Um, right. He has a handful of stolen bases. He had one amazing New York Yankees year in his first year coming out of Colorado, but like he's put up, you know, some solid ish numbers, but that's another one of those guys, you know, he does qualify. Uh, they both, I guess, qualify at first that I have him right above. See, okay. This is what I don't understand. Check this out. Luis Arise is 15 on ECR. DJ LeMay, he was 27 on ECR. Why? Like because Arise hits for three twenty. No, DJ it's because Arise has an everyday job, and DJ LeMahieu doesn't. That DJ that's LeMahieu the whole. That's the in, entirety of the reason. What's the what's the roster? What's the roster resource? I mean, is he going to play third? Is he going to take over for Donaldson? I, that, I that's thought his, he was that's uh, a possible spot. I thought he was locked into. Let's see. Yeah, I guess you got Stanton at DH. You got Rizzo at first. So yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, the Donaldson thing always screws me up. We just talked about him. Just stinky. Um, okay, but but still at that same point though, take that away for a minute. He's still gonna be up there with runs. He's gonna hit more homers than him on the counting stats. Um, Even as RBI a part time player, I, I think homers and RBI. Uh, and stolen bases are guaranteed to be better for LeMahieu. Than I guess Arise. even this. Here'd be just a rise just won the batting title. Or, even or, if a rise you know, is like or was second, a notch better in runs, and a, he's not going to beat him in homers, but he's a notch better in runs, same stolen bases, maybe a couple more RBI and better average. Do they deserve to be fifteen and twenty-seven at the position? No, I don't think. I don't think so. I think. I mean, that, it, if that Donaldson to me is, gets cut and Lemayhew's in there, Lemayhew skyrockets. seems way ahead of Rise for sure. But I think it also tells you. Well, there's other potential things in here. He could be a, uh, he could be a second baseman if they wanted to go down that route. If Glaber was gone. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, but like what it tells me is I think Luisa rise off the batting title is still overrated. And I think DJ LeMay, he's a little underrated because they're not that, that much. I think so too. I mean, I have a rise down here at 20. I'm not on the 15 
bandwagon at all. By the way, I don't really want either one of them. I just want to point out, like, <laughs> we're talking about all this. Like, I don't really draft either one of these guys a whole bunch. If I'm looking for, I guess if you're really looking for a guy that's going to recoup your batting average, Arise is that type of guy, in a, and, and obviously in a points league. If you're looking for just a little bit more balance, I don't know. I think you're going to get a little bit more homer potential with LeMahieu in a really good uh, ballpark environment, if you will. And, uh, you know, strikeouts low, walks are high. Maybe you get an extra bonus for that. Babbitt was also the lowest it's been in his entire career last year. Just throwing that out there. Like the guy is, what was the average? I think it was uh, three. Hold on. My mouse just stopped working. It was 335 is his career Babbitt. So that's 50 points lower than his career average. He has been on a three-year decline uh, as far as Babbitt goes, but that was low as he, he's only been under 300 twice in his entire career. That was 2018, the final year in Colorado, and this past year in 2021. So some progression could definitely be in the works. He just doesn't have a full-time gig, which kind of stinks. Uh, who else do you want to talk about in here? I, I picked a Let's couple Let's talk guys. about Wit uh, real quick, because I, mm-hmm. I'm... Yeah, Wit is... Uh, confusing to me because you look at these projections for him and I'm just like, I'm not high or low on him. I'm actually at ECR. I have him at 18. Uh, I don't think the stolen bases are going to completely go away. Although when he played for Toronto last year, he had one stolen base on three attempts in 44 games. That is one of not the lowest enough. Bottom, yeah, bottom third in the league in stolen base attempts. Those that games. is not good enough at all he had 15 with the royals and one with the jays and he's projected to hit eight in this lineup and and play second base you know uh i just where are these projections coming up with 18 to 20 to 16 i think in when we draft on fan tracks and yahoo they're in the 20s for him uh between i I guess that's rotowire whoever is doing the projections on fan tracks and yahoo but like I, I would say somewhere around ten. What? 10 oh, okay. 12. I was about, I was like I was trying to gauge like what's your angle here? Do you think it's low or do you think it's too high? I think high? they're way too high. Well, I, I think, think people are drafting him, dude. but I think people are still drafting him as a stolen base guy. He's not going to do that, and he's hitting and, lower in the lineup. It's a great lineup, Toronto, better than Kansas City. You know, uh, hitting eight in Toronto might be the same thing as hitting two in KC, but. Uh, I just don't know. They're going to have to let him steal a little more than they did last year, but I don't know if he gets up to, you know, the, the mid teens or twenties. No way. I think 10 to 12. That's what I but would remember. Remember the projection systems. It's a, it's their three year models. They're three year weighted. And in 2021, he stole 40. So it's still basing a lot of that. You know, I, I just talked about like wit is one of my busts, even though he doesn't cost a whole lot. He's still in my bus category because of exactly what you just said. People are still trying to draft him as the safety net for stolen bases. And, you know, Eno and I were talking the other day on Rates and Barrels about the the decline, the age, the age curve decline on athleticism as you get older. The guy's 34 years old. At his age 33, we saw a dramatic decrease in stolen bases. I think that might be kind of telling. I think that might be telling us something where you only had the 16. Somebody needs to tell the Welsh about the age decline in his splitter, by the way. So Am don't I think splitter? that's, yeah, I don't think that splitter's as good as uh, you, you well, no, were bragging about it. That's why. It's oh, a excuse me. I'm sorry. The cutter. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a devastating cutter My that's bad. still cut. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to split anything, but it might like, be if you no if doubt, you but. think about that athleticism decline, I think it is hard to figure, especially with how Toronto used him. I think it's hard to figure he's going to steal more than 15 bases this year. He's not going to be a good source of RBI. 
His power has been under 16 for three straight seasons. He has not hit more than 11 since 2019. His bad X projections is at eight. I don't think he's valuable. I don't really like him. I'm surprised I have him at cost. I could make arguments for myself to be more interested in Colton Wong, who I have a little bit lower now that I'm looking at it. In points leagues, I'd rather have Luis Arise, I can tell you that, than Whit Merrifield. So the only reason Whit Merrifield is still even up here is because of some of the theoretical stolen bases. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You got to imagine they have a better plan for him going into this year. I just don't think that better plan gets him back up to 20. I think it's 10 to 12, like I said, somewhere in that neighborhood. Hopefully I'm wrong. I'd love for guys to have more stolen bases. I just, these projections are making me a little sweaty. That's all. Uh, Cronenworth interesting kind of like Ty France was another one of those guys that like I was really into last year. And I felt like I kind of fell backwards because he just leveled off though. He had really, I don't think I even remember this. He had a really good run in RBI numbers, almost 90, 90, 88 piece uh, with 17 homers, three stolen bases. And this was off of a really bad batting average compared to who he's been as a player, 239 with a 275 BABIP. His XBA though was even lower, which is worrisome. And these are declines. These are declines declines across the board. And I don't know how you fix this. This is why I'm worried about Cronenworth. And this is why I've dropped him down. Barrel percentage has dropped from 10.5% in 2020 down to 5.6, three-year decline. His hard hit percentage, 42.7% in his rookie year, all the way down to 33.8% this past year. That's another decline. XBA has declined. Xwoba, I mean, it is declines across the board. There's got to be a bottom, and I do think we may have hit the bottom with Cronenworth, if I'm being honest. But the problem is, is there is a dramatic storytelling here, as well as strikeout percentage has gone up. His walks have kind of gone up a little bit as he's trying to figure out who he is. Best case scenario, I think he's a 20, 20, 85, 85 guy. If he hits for 270, then he might be a 25 guy and there's more upside on that. So I've got Cronenworth at 14. So do you. He's 11 on ECR. I just wouldn't draft him at that high. I just don't think he belongs in that territory off of all those declines. I just don't know what has changed and what's going to change outside of maybe luck gets a little bit back on his side. Yeah, great lineup too. I mean, to hit, you know, they got him projected to hit fifth, you know, to to be driving in, you know, Tati, Soto, Machado, Bogarts is a really good spot to be in, but that's also one stat. That's RBI. That's just RBI. So, um, you know, I think that's the sexiness of him, but we're both, uh, you know, below consensus. He's not in their top 12, and I I don't know. I might be able to move him up one spot where above where I have Jeff McNeil, who's another interesting guy that we talked about a little bit about uh, with Cardi. Uh, Jeff McNeil hit 326, led the the majors last year. Yeah, you see all the projections though: 274 on the bad X, uh, 288 on ATC. Steamers got him for 288, losing a lot of steam because the previous year he hit 251. This guy is a roller coaster in his batting average. This is projected to be his down year because he hit 311, then 251, then 326. Now he's a career 307 hitter which makes me think he's going to hit around 300 to 315, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, which makes him extremely valuable uh, because he he has more power. Uh, he's like, you know, this is like a rise if a rise had a little bit of power is what McNeil is to me. So that's why I have him at 13. But 
you know, that 250 kind of glares from 2021 wow. and the projections have him under 300, even though he's a career 307 guy. If you had to like just pick a dart and throw some money at it, what would you what would you say Jeff McNeil's batting average is at the end of this season? Um, I think I think the the projections obviously the projections are weighted 2021. See, here's the problem: 2021 has like a stronger weight than 2020 would be, and 2019 has a lower weight because they were so far removed. Sure. So I think a lot of projections are are very weighted on that, but that's the anomaly year. 251 was the anomaly year. He's over 300 every single year. What if I told that, you last year? He hit over 300. His lowest month was 311 outside of one terrible July where he hit 208. Everything else is 328, 311, 329, 385, 357. I believe it. Uh, I mean, I would say 300. I Four yeah. or five years, he's hit 300. I would guess 300, but Me he too. has that arise in him again, you know, yeah. where it's like career high was 23 homers one year. I don't think I'm going to do the math real quick. I don't think all the other years combined he's did what he did in 2019. So that's 16 <laughs> dude, 23 homers in all other years, but besides 2019 and then he hit 23 in 2019. So the other four years he combined for what he did in one year, he's, he's not a 15 homer guy. He's a high batting average. He doesn't actually get the runs that some of these other guys get. I mean, Brandon Nimmo is another one of those weirdos, but he just gets all the runs that people like. He's just points lead guys. The um, McNeil isn't the best. Like, here would be a, an interesting combo if I kind of screwed up at second base. Maybe Brandon Lau and Jeff McNeil, you know? Yeah. McNeil kind of fixes a little bit what Lau's missing. I just don't like those emptier guys. So LeMahieu arrives. McNeil is kind of... It's kind of a weird one. One, I think I'm homering out a little bit on and might change my next update. I got Rojas at 13. Part of it is like, it's the elite stolen base. I mean, 20 plus stolen bases last year, which just, I, I can't help. It only caught three times, by the way. Like if there's something that's going to give your manager confidence in you, I just, I don't know. I feel like the Diamondbacks run less overall this year because the offense is better. And I think when the offense is good, Lobolo gets a little more conservative. I, I don't think it's that much better. To your point, though, my, part of the problem is like if they stick with their roster resource lineup of Carroll at one, McCarthy at three, those are two dominant stolen base guys. Like, how often are you going to be really pushing and running the ball? I don't know. I don't know if they really do that. Um, they have him to hit at five, which is good. He's one of the, they have a lot of lefties in that lineup, though. He is their starting third baseman. I know you, you would have probably asked like Evan Longoria. Evan Longoria is going to like play some third. He's going to play some DH, but they've also said he's not going to play every day. So what that means is Rojas is going to have the chance to kind of move around to different spots. Rojas will play shortstop. He will play third and he may even play some outfield at times. So he's going to move around and get everyday playing time, but it was just what he did last year. He didn't get caught. He lowered his strikeout percentage to under 20, still 23 bases last year in 125 games. 269 batting average was uh, pretty solid. A, a relatively significant decrease in XBA, but it was still over 240, which I like. Hard hit was the second highest of his career. Launch angle was the highest. Hard, by the way, Max EV, 104.6 the previous year, 109.1 with a career high launch angle. So like those are good hit metrics where if you do believe the Diamondbacks are going to be a better team, hitting in front of him is Christian Walker and Jake McCarthy and Cattell Marte. Those are the three that are in front of him. Two of the three of those are massive contact players. You think Rojas he loses might be in a for a bigger RBI now? opportunity. 
that that that's another thing for me with Rojas. I think he loses a little bit of playing time because Longoria is in there. I they have Guriel at, at DH. Yeah. Well, okay, but but I mean, I don't know if you're putting enough. You, you said you're going to lower him. Uh, I and look, I don't want to. I'm I can be much more homerish uh, than you are. I won't I go just, below where you are. I'll, I'll okay. go to five. I'll go to fifteen. I think is where I'd go. But like exactly what I said, they already said Longoria will not play every day and he will be some of the, I don't expect him to play every day. But my thing is, is that Rojas was so bad defensively that you're going to want to stick him at that DH spot, but Longoria can't play every day. So you're going to have him switching spots and stuff. I don't know that sometimes I mean, Rojas is going to play third and he's going to play some short when Nick Ahmed is not in there. Nick Ahmed is always hurt. Perpetually hurt. So um i'm not worried about it i'm really okay. not now they could they could platoon because he's a lefty so i wouldn't be shocked about that if lefties come in if rojas all of a sudden doesn't play and now longoria's in the lineup and he'll and, pinch run every day he doesn't play too. And every day he doesn't pinch run. run yeah so yeah so i think i might have been a little hyper aggressive on him but i still think he's right in that area and he also qualifies at third base which stinks so he's got a little bit yeah. of extra versatility which i like all right let's talk about the top 12 bogman year 12 to 1 uh, 12, I got Jonathan India. 11, I have Vaughn Grissom. 10, Max Muncy. 9, Brandon Lau. 8, Thyro Estrada. 7, Glaber Torres. 6, Andres Jimenez. 5, Tommy Edmond. 4, Ozzy. 3, Jazz. 2, Altuve. And number 1 is Marcus Simeon for me. Marcus Simeon. Uh, my top 12, I got Vaughn Grissom at 12. Cattell Marte at 11. Jorge Polanco at 10. Brandon Lau is at 9. Max Muncy is at 8. Followed by the Galaber Torres, Andres Jimenez. Top five is Edmund, Albi, Simeon, Altuve, and Jazz Chisholm. I've talked about this uh, multiple times. Jazz is my number one guy. Last year hit 254 in only 213 at-bats with 14 homers and 12 stolen bases. Max EV was there. Hard hit was there. Highest of his career, by the way, was there. He uh, had a 248 XBA, which is pretty close to that batting average, which makes me feel a lot better about who he is just in general because you worry about some of the swing and miss. But he did lower. He's the lowest strikeout percentage and highest walk percentage of his career last year with not a crazy high BABIP. Um, the projection systems, even though it's a low batting average, have him at 21. And this is the bad X, 21 homers, 29 stolen bases. What he did in his short stint gets me going. And I believe that Jazz, if healthy this season, is going to be the top fantasy categorical player at this position. And I'm willing to make that bet. And the cool thing is he costs less than those other guys. So yes, I have him at number one, but I know he can be real. I mean, really, you're going to see Simeon and Altuve 100% go before him and most likely Ozzy Albi. So I'm very big with the big hard hit numbers on um, on Jazz Chisholm. He's going to go out into the outfield, which I hope maybe keeps him a little bit more healthy. He'll gain that qualification if I really need it, though I wouldn't because it's second base. And I know I differ from a lot of the majority here, though I th- you're in line, though. Like, you definitely like Jazz. You probably just don't like yes. him at the level I do. Yeah, well, my my only thing with Jazz is the missed games, and you brought it up. Like, usually I'm the guy bringing up the missed games, and you brought it up last year. It's kind of stuck in my head a little bit. I'm with you, though. I hope the move to the outfield is better for him. Although, you know, uh, a new outfielder, and potential collisions. And if he collides, I mean, that's real bad for jazz because he seems to be fragile. So that's my only worry. But like, it's funny. I have Marcus Simeon at one. Uh, you know, I, I love the lineup. I love, he's very streaky. I, I love what he does. He's just, 
he's got a very high floor, even though it comes in spurts. You know, it's he, he seems to be an extremely streaky player. It's so very, is Jose Ramirez. It's like Justin Upton. Remember when the Justin Upton years of like crazy, like awful month or two, and then all of a sudden just completely ball out? Because that was Simeon last year, to your point. Zero homer, uh, homers all the way through April. That's crazy. Yeah. One homer in May. He walked in June 1st with one home run on his plate, and then he proceeded to not have less than six homers in any single <laughs> month the rest of the year. So he I think really that's more of the guy it. that I think that's more of the guy we're going to see this year is that Marcus Simeon. But I have Simeon at one. You have Jazz at one, and ECR has Altuve at one. And I don't. I I think it's a clear tier. A lot of people throwing Ozzy in there as well, even though he missed a bunch of time last year. The talent is definitely on this level for Ozzy as well. So they're kind of a tier. If we look at uh, overall ADP, you know, once again, not counting uh, Mookie Betts, who qualifies at second on Yahoo, but uh, overall, Simeon is 29, Altuve is 31, and then Jazz is at 46, Ozzy's at 49. Your next second baseman comes in uh, on average draft overall at 80. Tommy Edmond, uh, the sixth guy off the board. So it's really those guys are a tier of their own. It's like the Simeon third base and Altuve are about. higher, but I think I think Jazz is going to start climbing up board, especially cover man of MLB The Show twenty three, yeah. all that stuff too. He's gonna if he has a good uh, spring and he looks good in the outfield, it. Uh, he's going to start climbing and climbing and climbing because the potential is absolutely there for him. Yeah. I mean, the upside I think is there in his place. Simeon, I, the projections are lower on stolen bases. And I think like we were talking about with the athleticism decline, that may come into play. He's 32 years old. You know, that's starting to come into play that maybe the stolen bases are going to kind of fall back. It was a career high last year at 31. So it's hard to like fully make that argument. He struck out less than he had ever done before, but his batting average was, Second lowest he's had since um, 2016. So, I mean, that kind of fell apart a little bit. I, I like the homer potential, but I just don't know if he's that much more of a homer potential than Jazz. And I think Jazz might be um, eight to ten more stolen bases than him this year. And maybe you're going to you're going to probably get a, maybe a little bit side on the runs and RBI for Simeon. I just think they're all close. All of that to say that I think Altuve is probably the easiest floor play of all of them. Yes, you know, he yeah. still steals some bases. He still hits big homers in a fantastic lineup. He's a safe hitter. He's less streaky. He doesn't have Simeon streaks or the injury proneness of Jazz Chisholm, and that's what makes him so unique. And then the position kind of, like you said, it really falls off. Andres Jimenez. I think is a good value. I think he's kind of a sneaky value with uh, what he did on the base paths last year with 20 hit 17 homers, pretty close projections across the board with a really high batting average, which you like, except the batting average 297 last year, the bat X has him at 258 this year because he had a 40 point difference in his XP. His expected batting average is 40 points lower, but Jimenez is one of those players that you can get around like 90 that I dig. And then I'm kind of indifferent about, the rat like Glaber's fine. Brennan Lau is okay. If that's I'm why I have Estrada up here, it is because I'm you indifferent. Wildly high. I did yeah. not realize that you were the highest in the world. Uh, I I think I'm tied, and no. I actually think I I, I understand. Look. Yeah, I I understand. Uh, but you but broke I broke a world record. I think uh, I, I'm tied, and I think once it, Mason gets his in there, he's going to be way higher than me. Who? Justin like, Mason? Yeah, Justin Mason is highest in the world. Oh, did he th homer out? Thyroid. Oh, yeah, for sure. But look, I, the guy was very, very good last year. Yes, this is one of those guys that I was talking about where you look at his savant page, and you're like, it's pretty blue here. But his contact is so high 
that, yeah, he's not going to have the hardest contact. 20 stolen bases last year. Yeah. You know, 260, his uh, XBA was low. I think it was 243, somewhere around there. But if he's a 250 guy that can muster up 10 homers, his homer to fly ball ratio wasn't horrible last year. It's also uh, he's actually pretty good. I don't know if you heard about that. They're gonna, I think they're going to play him in center this year they talked about. I mean, play him anywhere. I don't care where he plays. He qualifies at second. And he steals 20 bases. That's what I want. So yeah. um, that's why I have him in this group here. You know, there's questions about everyone. Brandon Lau uh, has been hurt a bunch. Max Muncy hit. What did he hit last year? 196. So, yeah. um, you know, there's Von Grissom. They're talking about Orlando Arcia taking his job, which I don't believe for one second, by the way. But I think this, that's all just you know, coach hyperbole speak to get this guy pumped up to try to go out in spring training and win the job, even though it's really already his. I think it's one of those. But yeah, that's what makes me put Estrada up in this group is there's questions on everybody else. I want those stolen bases and he could have more this year. I mean, everyone could have more this year because of the rule changes. But, you know, give me 10 homers and 20 swipes. I'll take it. The other guy, just last one to mention here, Cattell Marte. It's kind of that Homer thing, I suppose. I'm still in it. Still is like perpetually top 5% of the league in max EV. He does it every single year. He really kind of has fallen off on the batting average. It's not who he is, though. It really isn't. Guy hit 356 against fastballs in 2021. Went down to 251 this past year. He got so hyped. But he also got so hyper aggressive on trying to put the team on his back, trying to uh, put the ball out of the stadium that I hope that changes and that gets back to who he originally was because who he originally was is a player that is a much better hitter, uh, much, much better hitter. Like he XBA was 251 this past season compared to his 240 batting average. So that was better projection systems anywhere from 260 to 280 on his average, which also has his homers coming up even in the same amount of games, doesn't strike out, walk, and is going to hit two for the Diamondbacks, who are hopefully manufacturing. If Corbin Carroll is as good as we hope and he's leading off, that might put Marte in some decent RBI opportunities with Christian Walker hitting behind him and hopefully batting him in. So Cattell could be a sneakier option that has really fallen off as far as like overall go. And I know he, he might even be a little bit more name value sometimes, but like, listen, he's still the 14th second baseman in ECR. And I have him at 11. You have him lower at 16th. There's still some decent value in there if you want to pick him up. Just the problem is you could see him not being more, much more valuable than Jeff McNeil. And Jeff McNeil will have the higher batting average. But if he plays more to his potential, Cattell, even though he won't have that batting average, he could beat McNeil in f- four categories. You know, three or four he categories. Could. This is probably an opposite of homering out for me. I'm just done. I'm done waiting done for Cattell. To, to come around. The guy's always hurt. Like I said, all of his powers from the right side. Most of his at bats are from the left side because most pitchers are righties. Um, you know, and, and maybe it is him pressing himself, trying to do everything. Hopefully he'll, he learns this year that he doesn't have to do that. I'm just done waiting for it. I've heard the word potential with Marte too much. I'm done. So I hear it. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the shortstop. Those are the second basemen. You guys can find all of those at InThisLeague.com. You can see our dudes, our tiers, and how they place in the overall. But let's talk about shortstop, which is arguably the deepest position in all of the land. And we'll do it right after this. It's in this league. Got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what 
They used to make in this league. I'm the smartest guy in the world. Says who? The IQ test you took in prison. Brought to you by Carl's Jr. So just like we've talked about with all of these, it is definitely a bigger group. Though, you know, you start to look at like the 20s of the shortstops. The 20s are not that much different than the 20s of the second baseman. It's just that like 15, 16 of shortstop pretty quick, but, are but it, really it's much strong. deeper at the top. Yeah, yeah it, it's the strongest top 15 startable tight uh, tight ends of shortstop <laughs> that you can find. It is the strongest I mean, I've got that. Well, so I've got Thyro as my eighth second baseman, right? I have him as my 17th shortstop. Yeah. That, that's where we're at. You can end in a 15-team roto with taking the last startable shortstop, and that's Jeremy Pena. That's ECR. He's 15. He's my 15. He's Bogman's 14. You could do that. Ahmed Rosario is out there. So when you start to break those down, that's what's so nice about this position. And it's so riddled with just really, really solid, solid hitters. But there are some big questions. And I think those big questions sit in that top 12 because it's who do I choose? You know, where do I go? Do I take with the upside? Do I go with floor players? Do I want stolen bases? Because there's a handful of the shortstops that aren't really stealing at an elite clip, but have some good homers. There's some injury prone stuff in there. It's just a solid position, but it does lead to this big, massive question, which I find difficult. Do you invest early? And that is ultimately something you got to battle with. There have been times, even taking Trey Turner, where you're just kind of like, dang, you know, like if I had just taken Acuna and I could have gotten, you know, Tim Anderson later, you're probably not finding a fun, more equivalent outfielder in that same range that you are battled. You're riddled with that. Bo Bichette, you know, you're not taking Bobby Witt as a shortstop, really you're taking him as a third baseman, but Bo Bichette, Lindor, do you want to invest that early when you could maybe, if you believe in the Bogarts bounce back or Dansby Swanson or Wander or Tim Anderson. So that's something you have to reckon with. What you don't want to do is get too, too cute because the bottom, you know, if you're talking about upside, it drops off a little bit. Like, I still have Elvis Andrus on this list, hoping he's going to find a gig. We saw the insane numbers he put up last year um, with the White Sox when he was able to get time. I think it was, was White, yeah, so White Sox. awful with Oakland, too, and then was so much better. With it was Chicago. incredible. Was I mean, dude, he was like a league-winning guy towards the end there. Um, how about Oswald Peraza? Let's talk about him for a second. You actually have him at 24. I'm at 26. His ECR is 28, so we're both beating it. Oswald Peraza played a little bit with the Yankees last year. Homer, a couple stolen bases in 18 games. And he looks all but set to be their starting shortstop this year, which is crazy. Um, it's a or is great it going to be second base? Be- yeah, I think it's it's shortstop, right? Not second baseman. I always uh, get that confused with Glaber when I think about it. Yeah, uh, let's yeah, they got him at short, so they have him yeah, hitting because- eight uh, at short, and you know, uh, whatever you're in the Yankees lineup, you know, because uh, if they I, moved I think- Glaber, Volpe would come in, and then they would put both of those guys. Sure. But- but they, but they've like handed that game theoretically handed. It's that his game. to lose. Yeah, he he gets the first crack at it too, which is why I have him in my top twenty four, um, because he seems to be an everyday shortstop right now. So I uh, can't say that about everyone below that on this list. And shortstop is a position that has become more rotational. Before it was like you want your starting shortstop, you put him in there, he plays one hundred fifty five games, and you know you give him a, one day off a month or something like that. It's less like that now, so that's why it thins out at the bottom uh, fairly quickly. Or you know, you have some older guys or guys that are empty um, down there. But Peraza, I think, is in a good spot in a good ballpark and a good lineup. And they're 
giving him the everyday role, it seems like right now, that's a pretty good spot to be in, man. Yeah, hits the ball pretty hard. Uh, had an under 16% K rate last year, double-digit walk rate in those low amount of games, hit 300, which you like to see, uh, getting a little bit bigger. And and he was a guy in the minor leagues that in 2022 in AAA, 19 homers, 33 stolen bases. I mean, those are some big numbers. He had 250, and he had 259 in that time. And that's kind of similar to how Volpe was too. A little bit lower batting average with huge counting stats that make stuff happen. You don't love that he's hitting lower in the order. Like you said, roster resource has him at eight and that makes all the sense in the world. You're not going to probably hit him above Hicks and Bader and stuff like that. But um, there's still an opportunity for him to go for, to run lower in the lineup might be a little bit more aggressive. Teams might be, that might be a sneaky source of 20 stolen bases though. The bad X hasn't projected at 10 that's in 78 games. So if he plays a full season, that would be over 20, maybe a 15, 20 guy. So that's kind of a guy to dream on. You probably want him as a bench more than anything else, not even necessarily a middle infielder because you want to be a little bit more hyper aggressive. Uh, anybody outside the top 24 that you specifically have like a feeling that you wanted to touch on before we jump in? I mean, there's some I mean, maybe names. Mateo uh, a little bit just because he sold so many bases last year, but he doesn't have a starting gig. Doesn't have a gig. It seems like right now. So, you know, it's kind of the same John Birdie thing where they'll get him in the lineup. Um, you know, probably less guaranteed than birdie, but they should get him in the lineup and he's a threat to steal bases. But I just don't know if he does enough outside of the stolen bases to warrant uh, a starting spot in your lineup, regardless of league size. So uh, he is one of those guys that I've been waiting for a little bit more information. A Adam Frazier, they have hitting ninth and as their second baseman, he's awful. Like, I don't know how he's still going. I don't know why you wouldn't just try to keep. I mean, but is Mateo that Mateo? much better than him? Like, well, I, for no. fantasy, he absolutely is. But, but uh, in terms of like on the field, I don't know. You know, I would just like to dude. see them just like put him at nine. Like, it's like another leadoff type of guy at nine who can really run. Maybe Frazier's a better defensive, probably at second base because Mateo's mainly been a shortstop. Maybe Mateo is going to serve like as a backfield out or backup outfielder as well. They've had some injury issues there. So he might play that John Birdie role, but it feels like a lot less certain. So I've got him lower. You know, I've got Prazo yeah. over him clearly and stuff like that. Um, in, you could speculate on guys like Volpe, but there's just nothing certain. Brandon Crawford is kind of interesting, but these are much, much deeper plays that you're probably not looking at. One guy you do, you have, let's talk about this for a second. You've got it 26 outside your top 24. Okay, I have good. him inside, but he is 20th on ECR, a little bit more aggressive. It's another Colorado guy, Ezekiel Tovar, who Tovar, he is set to be given the gig, but it is the Rockies. And the Rocky, they are one drunken night away from calling Andrelton Simmons and coming over and having him be the guy and then, you know, pushing Tovar. I back. think that's overblown. I think Tovar's their guy. And also, you know, you got to get one guy in there for, uh, you know, potential for rookie of the year and getting extra draft picks and stuff. So I don't, I don't think the Rockies are going to quote unquote, uh, Rocky here and go sign Elvis Andrus or, uh, someone like that to completely take a, a young dude's job. I think this is their guy, but you know, where is he hitting in the lineup? Ross Resource got him in nine. Uh, you know, you want anybody that hits in Colorado, but a nine-hole hitter as a rookie in a difficult spot, I don't know about that. So yeah. I'm just less sold on Tovar than other people are, but but the potential is there, and you always want a Rocky. I understand that, uh, you know, instinct. It's absolutely true. 
Double A in 2022, he hit 318 in only 66 games with 13 homers and 17 stolen bases. Uh, I, I've I've talked about it before because like what Tovar did was nuts. It's always been in my mind when Eno and I were watching him at the AFL and like Eno's first reaction was like, I don't like him. Like he was just his smaller statured body who was overmatched, but he was one of the youngest guys in the AFL. And then he comes off of that year with having an insane 66 games in, in uh, 2022 at Double A. Triple A was fine. And then he got a shot at the majors. I actually think he's going to hit for a pretty good average. Projections are with it. Bad X has him at 267. They got him as a double-digit homer and stolen base guy. And I think that's worth the top 24. But I get why you don't want to have him there. But like, there's no way I wouldn't have Mateo over him because the Colorado factor in general is solid. Though I'm saying this coming from that's this face that apparently I'm lower than the rest of the people. I, I didn't could, realize I was lower. Well, Tovar's gotten, I think, too much helium. So I definitely didn't want to be on... Uh, the, the helium form because they got him at 20. I've got Stott at 20. You have Mondesi at 20. I'd take those guys way over, yeah, yeah. you know? Well, so. the Mondesi one, I'm kind of chilling on a, a little bit. Let, let's actually talk about that. Let's get those guys in here. Uh, 24 through 13. I've got Ezekiel Tovar, Luis Urias, uh, Bryson Stott at 22, CJ Abrams at 21, Mond- Alberto Mondesi, Dairo Estrada, Nico Horner, Javi Baez, Ahmed Rosario, and then 15, 14, and 13 are Jeremy Pena, Willie Adamas, and Tim Anderson. Uh, for me, I've got Peraza at 24, then CJ Abrams, Mondesi at 22, Awesome Kim at, Kim at 21, Stott at 20, Baez at 19, Correa at 18, Thyroid, Nico Horner, and then 15 to 13 is Rosario Pena and Willie Adamas. <laughs> Your commitment to thyroid every time we talk about it. I said Thyro Estrada when we talked about him properly at his position, but I just love it. It's so close to thyroid. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Mondesi. So, like, I'm struggling with this one. I admit to everybody because he might not start the season. Yuck. But... We all know he's not going to play a full season. Bat X's projections with only 100 games played, 11 homers, 30 stolen bases. That's my problem. The batting average absolutely stanks, though, which is a huge issue. And the missed games are obviously a problem just in general. It's just ridiculously stupid numbers that he's going to put up that they obviously purposely made this acquisition because they want him in that lineup. If Mondesi plays... 60 games and Mateo plays 110 who has Mondesi. more stolen bases. Mondesi yeah. does. That's why, yeah. that's why you have to have him in the top 24. And, and I would even say, cause I got him at uh 22, but I would say 21 is really like my marker for shortstops. That's like, I want these guys from 21, well, up, 22 down. I'm like, I'll take these guys, but I don't really care for them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a spot where I have to take someone below Hassan Kim on my list. So I really like Hassan Kim though a little bit. I yeah, I do. I, I love Hassan Kim. And like we said, he's going to start hitting leadoff for those first 20 games and then he's probably going to go to 5 or 6 where Cronenworth either ahead of or before Cronenworth and then so he's either going to be driven in by these guys or driving these guys in all year long. You want to see if he's hitting on the back end of the lineup, he's going to steal more bases too. There's a lot to like about Kim. Hilarious on Kim, by the way. His ECR is 25. His highest at that position is 24. That's so weird Crazy. that he's got yeah. that versatility. Uh, it's it's interesting you mentioned 21 because the more I see this, I think one extra move I would do is I, I've talked about this a lot. I really like CJ Abrams and I, I'm really open to being wrong here because it might happen. But like 
I don't look at 90 games, two homers, seven stolen bases at the, as the pinnacle of who CJ Abrams is. There is power in there. He's definitely more of a contact hitter. I think it's 10 to 12, maybe max 15 home run potential, but I think his stolen base potential is still being undervalued. He had a 5.8 speed rating last year, which is not him in the minors. Even at rookie ball, he was 8.8. And then he managed in the six to sevens. He's faster than that. And I think he's a 20 plus stolen base guy, which he's not projected there either way. I think he's 10 20 with a 260 batting average, low strikeouts. I hate that he doesn't walk. And I think that's a guy that is a top 24. And I think he could be 21 because that's someone I kind of want to take a dart. You want to take your dart throws on some guys that are going to yeah. like break out. That's a guy that I want to do that with because that lineup is not good. That Washington team is not good in general. And Abrams is the type of guy, if he's hitting solidly, he's going to hit where roster resource has him at two. They have him hitting two in this lineup right now, which I will tell you, I kind of think might not happen. I think they actually might put Luis Garcia at two and he might be closer to seven or something like that. But if it does, Abrams is going to rack up some runs. He'll have significant stolen bases. And I think he's way more valuable. So that might be a guy when push comes to shove, like I like Abrams on a full season more than I like Mondesi, but there's literally nobody that has a higher variance than Adalberto Mondesi. So if you don't want to draft him, don't draft him. You have yes. to know what you're getting in for. And it's like probably not better than a hundred games. And the guy's not going to start the season. So I'm wishy-washy on him because the only news we keep getting is he's probably not going to start. I'd love to hear something else like bad or good. It doesn't matter. And I'd make more of a decision. Just so, push so him one way or the other. So right. because of my indecisiveness, I kind of don't really draft him. And I'm also very cognizant of stolen bases early on. If I wasn't, and I had a whole bunch of like power. He's dudes, almost an OS. I have no stolen bases. Yeah. I better take this guy. That's kind of the condition that it takes to, uh, to draft Mondesi at this point is, oh my God, I have no stolen bases. I better just go take this monster and hope he gets on the field for a hundred games and he could give me 50, you know? That's what you want, especially in Roto. So yeah, hundred percent. And by the way, you have twenty at twenty one. You have uh, Abrams in, in a second base at twenty one. You have Birdie. But how much higher on your overall is oh, Abrams and Birdie? Yeah, it's, Abrams. It's is, unbelievable, right? Yeah, it's not close, yeah. especially with yeah. <laughs> like my desire to actually draft. Uh, here's another one I struggle with, Bugs. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson has not played over one hundred and twenty three games. For four straight seasons. Oh, yes, you don't COVID get to counts. do this when you're, you don't get to talk about other guys, non games played I when you're listen, still a Buxton guy. You can't do it. I just said I struggle. I just said I struggle. <laughs> Tim Anderson always hits for average for those four straight years. He's also hit over 300, which is great. He's stolen double digit bases in three of those four full seasons. He's had the homers that have been there, though. They kind of dropped this past year. But I struggle with him overall because of what almost sometimes I don't, the desire to be in that team, the injuries that take him off of that roster. He's get, he's turning 30 this year. He is 30, I believe, already. Or, you know, he's going to turn 30 in just a couple months. All of that plays a little bit of role when I look at him and how I approach him. Bat X, 10 homers, 18 stolen bases with a 287 batting average. ATC, 14 and 18. Still really good numbers. What I struggle with is when I see he's the 10th shortstop off the board. I've met 13. I just don't know with all of that considered like, okay, if he plays 120 games, his 120 games look kind of like Wander Franco on the full season, but Wander Franco missed some time. 
but I'm even looking at my thing of Willie Adamas. I have Willie Adamas at 13. I kind of want to put Willie Adamas above Tim Anderson because the huge power numbers, maybe a bounce back on batting average, what I think is presumed. I just don't know what to do with Tim Anderson. And I don't, what I don't see it doing is him going up and I want it to be, but it's not. Um, yeah, you have, been, I mean, you have been 11, by the way. Yeah, so. I, I, I still like him. And I think it's after his breakout season in 2019, where he, you know, won the batting title, he hit 335. He had 18 homers, 17 stolen bases. He hasn't really looked back in average. Now he has dropped four straight seasons. Like you said, 322, 309, 301. He's still a 300 hitter. You know, now everything is projecting him to go under that because his career is 288. I think he's going to hover right around 300. And it's just about staying on the field for him at this point. So um, he is a very high floor. The only thing you're worried about, like you mentioned, was him missing time, which he has uh, the past three seasons. Even in 2020, he missed 11 of 60 games. So that's a big chunk of that season. He missed uh, almost 40 games in 21. He missed ha over half the season last year. So that's the concern with him. But if he's on the field, you know exactly what you're getting. A 300 hitter who's, you know, potential for a 2020 guy, probably more likely a 15-15. But he's going to be like high a, in runs and high in RBI because he's in a great category lineup. player. He's like a solid, high average, good stolen bases, uh, good runs. Okay, homers, bad RBI. That's just who he's a four category player, yeah. but it's a lot like a lot of these White Sox. Like Robert continuously missed times, Eloy misses time. Like that makes you worry. That makes you worry overall about like your investment on it. Now, the cool thing is his position is so deep that you also want to probably fill this from middle infield. I really find myself trying to take two of these guys, someone in my top 12, and then another one of these. If I have the ability, it's harder in 15 team and man in 12 team. I really actively try to get two. like, if you could give me Corey Seager and Willie Adamas or Corey, Se Corey Seager and Tim Anderson's a little bit worrisome because the injuries, but still like that is something I would consider or, you know, O'Neill Cruz and Tim Anderson, that might help some of the floor and the volatility and stuff like that. Like that's how I want to approach it. So I want a couple of these guys, but Tim kind of just falls back where I want to be a little bit higher on Adamas and Pena, you know, Pena had a, I'd say relatively crappy season. And then he had incredible MVP, obviously um, uh, playoff run. And he was phenomenal. And Adamas is one of those players, 238 batting average, which is the outlier. It's the outlier of outliers on his career, though it was 100% in line with his XBA. It was 238, 238 was right there. But he has always been a uh, 300 Babbitt player, 325 average on his career. That's almost 50 point differential. And he hit 31 homers with 98 RBI last year. Like those are big. Even if he has that crappy, uh, the 238 batting average with those eight stolen bases, that's a four category player. That's a four category player that you can go with. And he didn't miss the time. He's not missing the time that uh, Tim Anderson did in those same three years of Tim Anderson. He's played no less than 139 games and he played 54 in the COVID season. I don't know, man, like the average is floor for Tim Anderson, but it's a little bit sexier with Willie Adamas. I think I'm talking myself into Adamas over Tim Anderson as we keep doing this. I mean, there's just, I, is he going to repeat those numbers is a big question. He's fine. He, he's a good player. I mean, I like Willie Adamas and this is what makes shortstop deep is you have these options. You have a guy that could lead the league in batting in Tim Anderson at, you know, 11 to 15. That's kind of his range is, or I guess 10 is his ECR. Uh, so we're both lower on him. 
than average, but eight to 16 is his range. Willie Adamas, eight to 18 is his range. He's he could possibly hit you 13 homers. That's what makes this position so deep. And it's kind of what you need. And what? And what's up? Who hits 13 homers? Said 31 homers. Oh, 31 homers. Yeah, yeah. Adamas is like he's continuously progressing into like those hard hit numbers and the way he approaches the ball. He looks like a 30 home run shortstop. But he's going to hit 60 points worse than Anderson. Most likely he's going to hit like 240, right? 50 point Babib difference on career versus what he did last year. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he definitely was making the concerted effort to be a bigger home run hitter than he was in previous years, which cost some of that batting average. But like, what was his average last year? Two, oh, let me go back to two. Well, it was 238 in 2022. In 2021, it was 262, 259 before that, 254 before that, and 278 before that. His but XBA obviously, he, the last three years, 250, 229, 236, 238. So, like, let's put him at 240. You know, he's in line. That, he's actually, you want to know what's hilarious? His XBA this past year was higher than the two previous years. Yeah, Florida. but it's still close to 240. Now, look. You could have XBA for 240 for your whole career and you hit 260, you're a 260 hitter. Who cares what yeah. your expected batting average was? It's once again, this He's is another bottom hunt. line thing that we're looking at. It doesn't matter what the expected thing is, is if you're hitting 250, you're hitting 250. That's all there is. But it's it's a good issue to have is these issues picking between Tim Anderson and Bogarts. It's way better than picking between Max Muncie and Jake Cronenworth. Yeah. You I know just, what I mean? That's kind of the same thing we're looking at at second. So. I, I, the more I'm talking about this, I think I want Adamus as my middle infielder. A 15 team roto, I'll take him as a shortstop. I really want to pair him with someone in the top 12, and let's talk about them. Who's your 12 to one? Uh, my 12 to one here, I've got. Um, I'm on second base, but I was about to say Jonathan India. Bogarts at 12, Tim Anderson at 11, Wander Franco at 10, Tommy Edmond at nine, Dan's Bay at eight, Corey Seager, O'Neill Cruz, Francisco Lindor, Fernando Tatis Jr., Bo Bichette, Bobby Witt, and Trey Turner. I have at 12 as I clicked away from it. Carlos Correa at 12 is again, like judging Correa versus Adamas. I'm not sure. I think I might have to move Adamas to 12, even over Correa. Franco at 11, Dan's Bay at 10, Zena Bogarts at nine, Tommy Edmond at eight, O'Neill Cruz at seven. How annoying that I am that you're higher on O'Neill Cruz, <laughs> but you're sleeping on Corey Seager as you usually do. Cause I have him at six followed by Lindor, Tatis, Bichette, Witt and Turner. So we have the exact same top five. The biggest differential, Corey Seager, man, uh, Frank has talked about it like at nauseum uh, as I have as well, but this is like his number one bounce back player. And a lot of people are in line with this 245 batting average this past year with a 242 BABIP. That 242 BABIP is almost 100 points lower than the previous year. That is an absolute BABIP outlier and that means a lot of bad luck if people are if you're trying to kind of like align maybe what we're looking at here there's a lot of bad luck in line well, that's with it the as shift well. that's why well, everybody talks about him and the shift. check this out he was the 10th most shifted player in baseball last year 92 percent almost 93 percent shifts where he had a 326 woba on non-shifts a 397 woba that's crazy. That's 70 points higher on his Woba. So it is easy, very easy to see a path if you play some of that, that those batting average numbers are going to come back up. I and mean, every projection is with that. 270 on the bat take, take away the shift stuff anyway. Like he's a career 287 hitter. He's going to be much better this year. And 
He's a homers guy. The lineup is getting better, and he was already good last year in RBI and runs. The the only thing he's missing is he doesn't steal bases anymore, which is whatever. You know, you can find that somewhere else. You don't yeah. have to get stolen bases. You want him from your middle infield. You don't have to have him. Uh, but the only reason I have Cruz ahead of him, and and by the way, this is once again why I don't like overall list in general, is it depends on what you've already drafted. If you've already taken risks and you need a high floor player, there's not a higher floor. There's not many higher floor players than Corey Seager. Uh, he's a very, very good player. Uh, but O'Neill Cruz has that potential to be a league winner, which is why I have him one spot ahead of Corey Seager. I know a lot of people roll their eyes. They think that's insane. I understand it's a bad wow. lineup for him too. I get it. But but this guy O'Neal is just, Cruz is a this guy can be a 30-30 guy. And, you know, I agree. Did you hear his statements too in camp? He's like, I want to be a 30. They said, do you have goals? He's like 30-30, maybe 40-40 is what he wants to do this year. He's an absolute league winner. But to your point, if you compare him and Seager, floor way higher with Seager. Batting average way, way higher. Team context, what's around him, way higher in favor of Corey Seager. So as much as I like O'Neill Cruz, I've got him a spot lower because like, I think that is where tier change happens. I actually think you could put Seager in that Lindor tier. Cause I think what the real thing is, is it's like Turner, Witt and Bichette are kind of a tier. Tatis is his own because there's risk. Lindor and Seager are a tier. And then that next tier belongs to O'Neill Cruz and O'Neill Cruz is wildly insane upside that you could put together. By it's just way, like you've got to make your decisions on where these players are going to go beforehand because you can't, you're not going to get like Seeger and Cruz together. If you get Cruz, you probably want to maybe look at guys like Wander Franco or Dansby Swanson. If you get Seeger, maybe you, if you do what I was talking about, maybe you go take Willie Adamas. If you're looking at just like overall uh, uh, ADPs too, by the way, in uh, Fantasy Pros has got ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, RTS, NFBC. And uh, something, oh, Fantrax in here as well. I didn't, the FT, I usually say FAN for Fantrax. I w didn't get it. But uh, the, you know, these guys are 20 picks apart in Seeger's favor. 54.4 is yeah. his average across everything. Um, it's funny because he is being, it's funny, he's being dragged up by Yahoo. Let me see if I can get rid of Yahoo and see. Or Who Seeger is? ESPN, I mean, yeah. Because Seager was 34 on ESPN and O'Neill Cruz was 130. So let me see how this changes if I Thanks get rid points. of uh, ESPN. Uh, if I get rid of ESPN, it is actually Seager at 54. Dansby Swanson pops up. He must be real low on ESPN. 72.6 uh, and then 74.6 is O'Neill Cruz. So it is like, uh, looking at it, it's like you have this tier of Tatis, uh, Simeon, who sometimes qualifies as shortstop, Lindor, and then um, you have Seager by himself in the 50s. Those guys are 29 to 32. Then you have Seager by himself in the 50s. And then you have Swanson, Cruz, and Bogarts, and Tommy Edmond all in the 70s right there. Yeah. Uh, on uh, overall uh, ADP. Speaking of Bogarts, he's like a really interesting one that I keep finding myself wanting to like. So I'm going to read you a little bit of a passage. Uh, if you guys don't know, I wrote the essentially passage. all the infield of the Fantasy Black Book, or piece of Pia's. And shortstops was probably the most like robust one because of everything we talked about. And as I was writing it, there were just a couple nuggets in here. So how the profile works is I'm just giving you stuff. I'm not like trying to sway you. I was just kind of giving things. Um, he hit 300 for the third time in four years, but his XBA was only 259. 
Uh, Xander hit a home run low of 15, which was the lowest in a full season since 2017, which is something to consider. His home run to fly ball dipped four points from 14.6 down to 10.6%. And he had a, a three-year ISO dip, which has gone over that time, which resulted in like this overall home run dip. Um, raw power potential there is still there. Xander, 113 max exit velocity, which I actually compared him to kind of like Cattell Marte, which it seems like they're a little bit in the same general area. Uh, but he had the best Woba among all shortstops at 363 and really was one of those main reasons why I think he is an interesting test for a bounce back this year. Really high contact rates, gets the ball. And that was with different with Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte contact just kind of went away completely with the hard hit. Xander still hits the ball really hard and is now in this powerful offensive lineup of weapons around him that I think if the power comes back just even a tiny bit, you're going to have some pretty stupid run in RBI numbers. And that high Woba is going to get a high batting. He might get back to a solid four category player. Homers might be lower than the majority of the others, but I think he can kind of bounce back. So I keep suffering and struggling because if you look at the top 10, the only guy that's probably going to be projected to hit less homers is Tommy Edmond, maybe Wander Franco, but I don't think they're that much different. Xander, though, is surrounded by this phenomenal team with great Woba and hard hit numbers that I think those are recipes for bounce back if it works with that uh, coaching staff with the Padres. So I'm still a little bit still a little bit intrigued and higher and I've got him at nine and you've got him down here at 12 and, but actually his ECR is nine. So I don't know why you hate him. You just hate, uh, him. I hate him because I watched, um, Juan Soto go to San Diego and struggle and, and, you know, mm. they're both yeah. kind of average hitters. Now the context is different. Like Juan Soto had to become a West coast player after being an East coast player in the middle of the season, which can screw up, you know, your internal clock, uh, can, can be screwed up for a while. You starting games, two, three hours later on the West Coast and you were on the East Coast, uh, the Marine layer, the ballpark's worse, all that stuff. There's these little factors. The lineup is awesome too. Honestly, it's not that I dislike Bogarts, it's that I like Tim Anderson. I think he's a guy that that can, you know, um, be closer to, uh, you know, an average king. Again, I think he's going to hit over 300. I don't buy this 290 projection that, that we have on him. Uh, the game's played is a question, of course. Uh, but then uh, Wander Franco on a bounce back. I just think the the potential is higher on Bogarts. Bogarts has kind of showed us what he is the last couple of years. So yes, maybe there there is room for improvement. I don't know if we get it in his first year in a new ballpark in San Diego. That's all. So I got him at twelve. This is a, once again great problem to have. Lots of good shortstops. Yeah, the Wander thing too. I have him in the solid options of the black book. That's one where I, I don't even know if like there's a whole bunch of things that necessarily like work in his favor. Like you know what the deal with him is. You know he's just a great hitter. He might be more Bogartsy than anybody else. He might be kind of similar to him. But I, I keep looking back to that first month and then that injury that took him out the rest of the month. He was he was projecting out to be like a twenty, at least a twenty twenty guy based off of that first month. And I obviously know that doesn't work like that but like the power theoretically is still there the the running is still there i'm very hopeful that he's a 2010 guy this year with insane batting average numbers that are over 300 which will come with great run and rbi numbers because he will be in the middle of the lineup and that's trying to put some of this stuff together that would make him more valuable than uh xander bogarts but both of those guys i think are kind of divisive when you've got these crazy guys and these crazy numbers ahead of you like the Lindors and Seegers. And that comes back to that question of like, do you invest early on in shortstop knowing the depth is there? 
Bogarts, Wander, Correa, for that matter, Dansby Swanson, they're just not Trey Turner, and they're not Lindor, if you're being fair. And yeah. they're probably not Bo Bichette. You know, Bo Bichette had a lot. Of, there's a great article that was out there talking about some of his running declines. Yet he came out and said his number one priority this offseason is to get faster and to run and steal more bases in the coming season. And that, those are the type of things that make him just pick up some pointers from Whit floor more valuable. Yeah, Whit more valuable than the rest of these guys. So I'm just curious about your take. Are are you comfortable? And do you want to invest early on these shortstops or because of the depth, do you want to touch and get your third baseman? Do you want to get your outfielder and maybe an SP? Because like where you're taking Bo Bichette is where you would consider taking Devers or Riley. And then where you're taking Lindor is probably where you would take Nolan Arenado or some other good outfielders or Jazz and Marcus Simeon. So it's like, do you third think about my this priority? Yeah. Do you it, think it about this is. as a priority of getting your positions, knowing this position is so deep or you just say F it, the top shortstops are just still so good. I like Dansby, but he ain't Bichette. Yeah. Um, I mean, I obviously want Bichette over Dansby, but I want the third base. Uh, I want Manny Machado. I want Austin Riley. I want Rafael Devers. I want one of those guys over Bo Bichette. So uh, for me, um, positionally, that matters in the middle. Now up at the top, I just want the best player. I have Trey Turner as the best player uh, right now. He's my number one. So at that point, I'm not caring about position eligibility in like the top five. I just want yeah. the best player. But moving on after that, after you get out of the first round, I want I want third base. So um, for me, I'm probably not going to be investing on a high-end shortstop outside of Turner if I get one overall or in the top three because I'll take him wherever because he's my number one player. But um, oh, is he? Oh, yeah, he is your number. Yeah, I just I well, I just like him in that band box of Philly, you know, add add some power with what he's already got in speed and he's going to have homers and RBIs there and have a good batting average like he always does. So I'm just I'm excited for a little more potential power for Trey Turner. But after that, because we talked about, you know, one of these guys could fall. Willie Adamas falls and you're sitting in a great spot. So, uh, you know, um, the one thing I want to talk about before we end shortstop here is can i get you to move correa below willie adamas can yeah we, no you I talked about willie adamas I, I just talked about that no no i'm 100 with it like okay i'm willie adamas is maybe the one guy i'm like really staring at that it's like oh maybe i need to really adjust that because i don't think like correa is all the crap and i know what you're getting at here like all the crap that everybody you specifically give guys like correa <laughs> because he doesn't necessarily meet expectations and stuff like that well, he He's was still fine last year he hit 291 he was but like good he, last year, but for me, the, the concerning stuff of Correa is the stuff we heard recently. It, it's the, the oh, doctor yeah, coming out and that. saying worst ankle I've ever seen. And, yeah. and this is the same dude that got hurt getting a massage. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. how, when we talk about falling knife for older players, it doesn't have to be an older player when you hear something like that. And look, that could be smoke and mirrors to try to get him to sign a shorter contract and stuff like that. I understand that it's all part of a big game, right? But when you hear worst ankle I've ever seen and he didn't get a contract because of it and teams will overlook a lot of stuff to sign a player they want, uh, that is concerning to me. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And I'm going to have that change done where I'm going to do that because I just think when you think about the break back on Adamas, there's better power potential, there's better RBI potential. He steals some bases. I do think Correa is a very good floor player. It's always a good batting average. 
he's solid mid 20 homers all the time. I actually think it's more of an anomaly. The uh, run in RBI numbers. I mean, he put up 104 in 2021. It was with the Houston Astros, but like, I think he's like a, at least an 85, 85 guy, but too. Yeah, he's stole a base since 2019. You know, that's not yeah. something that gets you going. His ankle there. sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be fair, the more that I look at it, like Tim Anderson and the time that he plays, he's just more valuable than Correa. So yeah, no, that's a change I need to make and I'm going to make on the next roster update, which you guys are going to be able to see all of our um, our updates coming March 1st or you know, a couple days within there. We'll have all of our updates our rank updates there. And then we'll be doing it pretty much every month in March as we go through here and shortstop build. I think it's an interesting place and I'm curious where you guys are at it. So go to in this If you guys want to find all of the ranks, we have them sitting there because tomorrow we are doing outfielders. That's a big one. We'll obviously give you a lot more names than that. We're not going to be moving positions. We're sticking there. And then the same thing is happening with pitchers, which we're going to be doing on Thursday. So make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. You can do a little rate and review. Use that promo code ITL if you download underdog and let us know so you can get entered into win a free hat and you'll also get your deposit bonus. And as we continue on with Hell Week, in a little loop. We did this one in the day, so it's a little bit better than the night. We're a little <laughs> bit loopier at night, but some of these are going to happen in here. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it and you're locking in. Uh, that is it for us now. We will talk to you again tomorrow for Bogman. I am Welsh. It's Hell Week. More positional ranks coming. Goodbye for now. See you.